Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Today, we're discussing the latest residential real estate data across the Vancouver region for April 2021. We'll focus on two insights today. The first being sales and inventory trends continuing to deeply embed seller's market conditions throughout the Vancouver region, and the second being price gains showing no signs of slowing down. My name is Bone Bean Pazzi. I'm a housing analyst here at Rennie for the past four years. Joining us today, as always, is Ryan Berlin, Senior Economist and Director of Intelligence here at Rennie. And we are excited to welcome Reggie Tanzola, a real estate advisor who's been with us since 1997. And Reggie, I know you do it all, but you're also an expert in pre-sale. Is that correct? Yeah. Hey, Bowen. Uh, yes, absolutely. You're correct. Like most realtors in the Metro Vancouver region, I, I help people buy and sell homes. Uh, but I also uh, cater to uh, an audience that, that buys and sells uh, pre-sale. And pre-sale is a little bit different. Pre-sale is, is when a you know, developer has bought a plot of land and uh, they, they wish to sell the properties essentially before they're built. And how that works is um, they collect deposits in order to get their financing and build a product that will um, come, come to fruition a few years out. Uh, so that's a, a large part of, of the focus of my business. And uh, most of the clients I work with that are buying pre-sale are investors. But we do also work with, um, um, especially as of late, uh, first-time homebuyers who are um, you know, wanting to get out of the, the hectic resale market or, and even sometimes downsizers who know years in advance that they're going to be living, leaving the, um, the single family home and are wanting to secure that, that future property now at today's values. And, and uh, yeah, so, so, so yeah, we do specialize in as a company in resale and pre-sale. And my focus is, is on both, but very heavy on the pre-sale side because, you know, really that's where my expertise is. Um, as you mentioned, I, I've been with Rennie now since 1997. So just over 25 years and, uh, you know, for, for the first decade or so, I mostly just worked in pre-sale and specifically on the on the project side of things, meaning I was working for the developer uh, through any marketing, helping um, sell and um, also train teams. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely excited to kind of get your perspective on the, the resale market, but, but even more kind of eager to get your perspective on the pre-sale market and some of the activity that's been taking place there here throughout the first uh, four months of 2021, but especially here in April. So we'll jump right in here with insight number one. Sales and inventory trends are conspiring to deeply embed sellers' markets throughout the Vancouver region. So before we jump into the inventory numbers and the sales counts here, we just like to touch on the sales-to-listings ratio, which bring these two sides of the market together. So the sales-to-listings ratio is quite simply sales divided by listings. And what that does is give us a gauge on the market as to um, whether it's favoring buyers, whether it's more balanced, or whether it's favoring sellers. So a buyer's market would be 12% or less, a balanced market would be 12 to 21%, and a seller's market would be 21% or above. Throughout the entirety of the pandemic, we've been in that uh, seller's market threshold, so well above that 21%. And during the first four months of 2021, we're at a sales to listings ratio of almost 50%, so strong seller's market conditions. When we look at it on a home type basis, we're in the mid 40s for for detached and condo, and then for townhomes, we're at almost 80 percent. So it really takes us back to 2016, which is the last time our market really had a fire lit underneath it. 
And the sales to listings ratios in the first four months of, of that year are the same as they are today here in 2021. So we know that inventory expanded a little bit year over year and sales dropped a little bit month over month. Brian, can you kind of add some context to, to what happened with these, um, you know, these two sides of the market? As I know, there's kind of competing headlines out there. Yeah, thanks, Paul. And we're getting really wonkish right out of the gate. I love it. So the other point I would add, as you sort of clarified what the sales to listings ratio is and, and how we define it, um, break it down. The reason that we care about the sales to listings ratio is that when the market is favorable to sellers or that sales to listings ratio is quite high, we tend to see prices rise significantly, rise above the rate of inflation. Um, and when it's a buyer's market, there's a number of features of the market that you know are associated with a sales to listings ratio below 12%. But from a price perspective, that's when we see either decreases in prices or prices that are um, increasing, but only modestly, a little bit less than inflation. So, you know, we get back to these sales to listings ratios that are as high as they are right now. And we know we hear about the multiple offers. We hear about the offers uh, above uh, asking price. Um, and so we are seeing significant price pressure, which we will get to. But this is all really a function of, you know, as you said, Bowen, um, constrained supply, actually, constrained listings and a very, very active demand side of the market. And so I'll briefly just cover both of those off. The, uh, you know, on the inventory side, there's, a, there's, there's actually a couple of perspectives on, on both inventory changes and sales, which is interesting right now. There's a lot of noise in the market, so there isn't sort of you know, a uniform perspective on it per se. Inventory did rise in April versus March. Listings were up by 12% across the Vancouver region. And even on a year-over-year basis, listings were 2% higher the interesting thing about that is they were higher on a year-over-year basis compared to April 2020 solely because detached listings are up pretty significantly. If we look at townhomes and condo listings, they're down by 16% and 1% uh, respectively. Um, but more importantly, I think when we take a longer-term view of putting our, our current inventory into context... Um, we see that the, the number of listings that are available right now in our market throughout the region is 21% below the past decade average for April. So, you know, it seems, uh, you know, on balance, when you weigh all of the evidence and you look at the data from all the different perspectives, that supply remains constrained. And at the same time, you know, we achieved almost 8,000 sales in April, uh, which is a huge number. So there's a lot of people making moves in this market. Um, and like with inventory, there's a couple competing views on this, which is interesting. So one is, hey... Sales fell in April versus March. And that's true. Factually, that is what happened. There were 1,100 fewer transactions in April than in March. So that was a 12% decline in sales activity. On its own, that's not totally abnormal for this time of year because um, if we look at a typical seasonal change, so if we look at the number of sales between a typical March and typical April, there is a bit of a decline of, of 4%. We did see a greater decline than that. We saw a 12% drop. But I think it's important to keep in mind that we were coming off in March an all-time record number of sales for any month in the history of our region. So the only way that we would have not seen a decline in the number of sales in April is if we set a new all-time record for any month in the history of our region. And we didn't, but we did set a record for uh, April sales, just barely beating out uh, the number of sales we saw in April 2016. So... We know on a year-over-year -year basis, sales were up 340%. Mm -hmm. 
one, that's elevated demand today. Two, we're we're comparing to a market that had really bottomed out last year at the beginning of the pandemic. Just to interject, correct me if I'm wrong, but that'll probably take place again next month as well, since those sales counts really fell in April and May at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, that's a great point. I think we are likely, given the trajectory of sales uh, to this point in the month of May, uh, and we know they, the sales were depressed last May. We'll probably see these triple-digit percentage year-over-year increases in May and even possibly June because it wasn't until June and July that the market really started to move back towards you know what a more normal level of uh, or historically average level of sales would be. And we're seeing this pretty uniformly throughout all parts of the region, north of the Fraser River, south of the Fraser River, down into the Fraser Valley. Um, and we're seeing it for detached homes, for townhomes, and interestingly for condos too. All of those are seeing year-over-year sales counts that have increased by at least three hundred percent. And I, you know, I'll highlight condos again because, you know, I know we've talked about this in previous uh, podcasts, but there was a strong contingent that thought that hey, you know, um, the demand for condos is really going to soften for a long period of time. It's going to be a while before people are comfortable getting back into multifamily living and. And what we've seen is that that market, that segment has really bounced back. And and I'll even transition over to the pre-sale market because in quarter one of um, this year, um, we tallied 6,400 pre-sales throughout the region. It was our best quarter one ever, most active, most pre-sale purchases ever in a quarter one. It was the second most pre-sale purchases we've seen in any quarter. And so, you know, Reggie, I thought maybe we could throw it back to you here. You know, you're, you are quite active in the pre-sale uh, realm. I know in the resale market, there is a lot of emotion on buyer's behalf and even on, on, on the part of sellers. Uh, there's this fear of missing out for a lot of people. Do you want to talk about the mindset of uh, the people that you work with in the pre-sale segment of the market? Absolutely. Th- th- thanks, Ryan. So um, this year... Let's, let's say starting from like mid-January moving forward is really when I saw a, an increase in interest in the pre-sale marketplace. A lot of the clients that I've worked with so far and, and over 30 so far to date um, just on pre-sales are, are investors. And so what I, what I was discovering was a lot of my investor clients were finding it really difficult to uh, partake in the resale market as so many um, new buyers were getting into the market and, and they found themselves competing and being outbid um, and, and just, you know, in, in a really, um, you know, intense buying environment, like you just kind of touched on, a lot of the buyers who were buying to live in, whether it be the first time home buyers or the upsizers, um, and, and to no fault of their own, we're all the same, we're all buyers, we're all people, but a lot of emotion goes into it. So we were seeing big numbers, subject free offers. And, um, you know, my investors who tend to be a little bit more calm and analytical, uh, they, they removed themselves from that. And with my advice, we were able to identify a handful of pre-sales throughout Metro Vancouver that just really made a lot of sense in terms of dollar per foot comparative to other pre-sales in the neighborhood. Also analyzing it against, um, you know, existing resale product. Uh, the nice thing about these pre-sales is you're able to go in and, you know, essentially pick out units, um, you know, in a development that may have upwards of 100 or 200 homes, place a deposit initially um, anywhere from 5 to 10% is quite normal, and then raise those deposits over a period of time uh, leading up to the closing date. And for a lot of these pre-sales, we're talking 
you know, three or four years down the line. And what our investors really like about this is they're able to see, you know, the gains year over year moving towards those closing dates. And depending on, um, you know, the, the municipality that we chose, anywhere from five to 8% um, annual return is what we've seen year over year for the last 15 years. So um, I'm not surprised that pre-sale picked up. Um, it certainly would have picked up more for me and my team than say other realtors, just because that's what we tend to specialize in to begin with. But yeah, I know that the, the pre-sale market is, is just as hot in some respects as the resale market, but it's, it's a very different arena to navigate. And, and Reggie, um, you know, the resale market right now is kind of unprecedented. We see this with the, the record sales counts, uh, the constrained inventory. So has, has those conditions in the resale market have, have you seen that kind of lead to more activity in the pre-sale market here, you know, in the first couple months of 2021? Uh, I would say right now it's probably the most aggressive pre-sale market that I've witnessed. Granted, the environment was uh, more chaotic years ago. There was a time where people would sleep outside for nights on end trying to get in to get pre-sale. I think the industry has evolved now. So you're not seeing those people line up and sleep outside. Um, it's evolved to the point where where buyers are able to identify which realtors are, um, you know, have have relationships with developers and marketing firms that can get them in and get them the right units. But more importantly, um, you know, the, the developers and marketing firms have created a system that organizes the traffic coming through with appointment times. And certainly now with, you know, the environment that we're in with in the world, um, you know, we, we have to control the people coming into the sales centers and there, you know, there's max capacities and, and it needs to be organized, um, you know, correctly. But but yeah, to best answer your question, we've definitely seen an increase in demand in pre-sale, and um, not surprising. I mean, you know, the, the the whole real estate market is is you know going through through a boom, and uh, you know, I mean, like I, I was saying earlier, like a lot of my buyers are investors, but I'm now starting to see um, it, even people who aren't investors necessarily come in and, and buy pre-sale, whether it be parents helping, you know, their kids buy for down the road um, or, or even, you know, would be first time buyers who maybe have healthier deposits uh, who also just don't want to, you know, get involved in the resale market because there's a lack of supply. So it's not just about getting good units and good prices. It's also about having selection. And you could say that the pricing in the presale market is a little bit more transparent. Is that how you'd characterize it, Reggie? Uh, you know what? Actually, I would. So, Let's look at a resale for a moment. You know, we, we price it as a realtor. We put it out there. If it's underpriced, we know very well we're going to get a lot of people coming out and looking at the listing. And then, you know, with the help of their own realtors, you know, would-be buyers uh, would, would come forward with their offers and enter, you know, multiple offer situations. They're now pulling up comparables and making their best guesstimates as to what they can possibly buy the the, the property for. And like we touched on earlier, emotions can really come into play. And every so often, um, a property may sell for well over what um, the, the market would suggest that it's worth. Obviously, maybe maybe creating even a new market, um, or perhaps just just a one-off sale for a you know a condo within a building, or 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 even within the the detached market. Um, so it can be a little bit confusing. And also, if you're a buyer, you're not getting the right advice from the right agent. You may be going you know, miles above what, what a property really should should be selling for. In the pre-sale environment, yes, the, the pricing is is consistent, it's transparent. And and I, I'm speaking to builders that Rennie Marketing works with and 
other uh, reputable builders within the city. So most builders, um, you know, are, are pricing their inventory uh, realistically, uh, either at market or maybe built built in with some future appreciation because these buildings are ready four or five years down the road. But you come in. And yet you're given the price of the home. There's no multiple offers. There's no outbidding another human being. If the home you like today sold and you come back tomorrow, well, then you have to buy a different one. So on what we touched on earlier, you know, there could be 200 units that are being offered, you know, from day one at the launch of a pre-sale. And, um, you know, that, that, that pricing, you know, the developer's going to offer you a range of, you know, what the one beds are and, you know, what the two beds are and so on and so forth. But ultimately, um, you know, like, like, like that, that, that price that's being offered to you, you know what it is, you know what you're buying. And it's not like somebody else is going to come in, you know, at the same time and offer more than the asking price once the developers enter into a contract with you um, or when a sales agent on the floor is discussing the opportunity with you. It's yours to buy and nobody else's. So it does create, um, I think, a really, really pleasant environment to purchase real estate, unlike the, the resale market, which is, you know, can be a bit hectic. Um, at some point, maybe we'll see the resale market, um, you know, or, or governing bodies create an environment that is is just as organized as the pre-sale environment. So that brings us to insight number two. Price gains are not showing signs of reversing and could well perpetuate for some time. So we saw a 15% year-over-year increase in benchmark prices here in April of 2021, up from the 12% uh, seen last month, and then average prices up 23%. So given these price increases and the record sales counts, we've seen dollar volume transacting in the Vancouver region at an all-time high. Brian, maybe you can offer some perspective on that. Yeah, well, I mean, along with the rising prices, we're seeing a lot of buying activity as well. So it's almost like a perfect storm in a sense when you look at what we would call dollar volume, which is the the total amount of money that is being spent in the resale market um, each month. Prior to March of this year, um, within the Vancouver region market, uh, an average of $2.9 billion would transact each month. So there's obviously variation around that uh, month to month and through you know economic cycles and, and housing market cycles. But $2.9 billion, that's a big number. In April, last month, compared to that $2.9 billion, we saw $9 billion worth of transactions just in April. And that was after $10.1 billion of resale homes transacted in March. So we're looking, you know, over the last, each of the last two months, we're looking at a threefold increase in the dollar volume of transactions in this region. Um, and both of those tallies for both April and March um, exceeded the previous uh, one-month dollar volume high set way back in 2016. Um, so that was just under $8 billion. And so we definitely are seeing parallels in the market right now um, between our current conditions and what we saw in uh, 2016. And so that's interesting because we we know that current price increases on a year over year basis are unsustainable. Um, you know the value of any you know asset essentially that is increasing by that much each year, over, uh, you know because we know we know how what interest rates look like, we know what inflation looks like, what how much incomes are rising. It's simply not sustainable over the long run. What's really really interesting though is when we we compare our current conditions back to 2016, we saw that prices were increasing year over year 
by 24% in April of that year. So 24% being higher than the 15% now, but they moved up another 50%. So prices by July of 2016, prices were increasing by 36% year over year. So if we apply that same sort of rate of change into the summer from where we are now, we could see year over year prices, you know, peak at, you know, around 22 to 23%, which suggests that just on that basis alone, that there may not be some relief in the very, very short term, though that may come sort of over the medium and longer term. But I, you know, I will also then add a, a corollary to that, which is come the fall, you know, we've talked about this before, but as, you know, more and more people get vaccinated and we open our borders and our economy gets back to its high-level functioning, its high-level pre-COVID functioning, you know, we, we are likely to see more warm bodies coming into British Columbia and Metro Vancouver. And those people will need to be housed. So the more people translate to more housing demand. And so the, the actual trajectory of prices, as you know, I've said before, I, <laughs> not in the business of forecasting prices. Uh, unless I feel like I want to be wrong about something. Um, and so there's just, there is a lot of uncertainty around that particular element of our market at the moment. So indeed, you know, a lot of short-term uncertainty. But Reggie, given that short-term uncertainty, what is the approach you're taking with buyers, particularly on the pre-sale side of the market, where it seems many buyers are, are wearing short-term gains based on current market conditions versus playing the long game, so to speak? Yeah, um, interesting and, and good question. Uh, my clients, the clients that I work with, they're not speculators. Um, n- none of my clientele is, is, is looking for or even hoping for massive gains at this coming year. If anything, we're going into these going, it's been a really, really great year. We've seen you know the market increase substantially. We all believe, and, and much like Ryan, we're, we're not predicting the, the future, um, but we don't think that you know, these types of gains are sustainable. My clients aren't looking for immediate gains. They understand that real estate is a long game. So if we're buying pre-sales that are already four or five years out, we understand that there could be some dips between now and then. And there also probably will be some gains too. What we're wanting to do is, is see, um, you know, average gains of, of between five and 6% on the, on the low end is our prediction balanced out over the next five years. But again, you know, all of my investor clients, they hold real estate because the, the, my whole formula when I work with these investors is, is I show them how to invest for the long term. Um, you know, and, and if we look at certain pre-sale you know, opportunities, we're also calculating what we can rent those homes out for, um, you know, what our costs are today, you know, maintenance fees, you know, mortgages with today's low, low lending rates. And also building a bit of a cushion for down the road in case those fees go up ever so slightly. And, and what, what we're hoping for is, you know, that, that the tenant will cover the majority of the expenses for the first few years. But by years three or four of renting out the homes, um, the vast majority of, of those expenses and, and, and then some cash flow um, is being covered by the rental rates. So we're not looking at it on, on the day to day. We're certainly not treating our real estate like, like a stock or like a crypto or some other, you know, exciting you know, vehicle that we're seeing in the media these days. Real estate's long-term, and for the new clients coming forward, I'm pulling data. I'm showing them how one pre-sale compares against the next and how it compares against the resale market. And I consider myself a pre-sale real estate specialist. And just as I wouldn't hire you know, uh, the, the realtor who sold my, my grandmother's house in Abbotsford to, to sell me a pre-sale in Burnaby, um, I wouldn't hire me to sell your, your grandmother's house in Abbotsford either because you know, you know, I specialize in something that's a little bit different. 
And I would call that um, pre-sale, being a pre-sale realtor is, is a bit of a niche market. So you kind of have this uh, long history in, in the real estate market, basically being in the industry since you could vote. And uh, you're taking that kind of seasoned perspective and offering that to your clients and, and making sure that they take that same long-term approach to the real estate market here in the Vancouver region. That's exactly right. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I started the business when I was 18. I was in high school. I didn't have two cents in my name. You know, I could barely pay rent. I was living on my own since I was 16. Um, At 19, I I became quite clever. I figured out how to buy property without any money. You can't do that anymore, especially on a $12,000 a year income, which is what I had when I was 19. But I bought a property, I got a mortgage, it was 900 bucks a month. I certainly couldn't afford to pay that mortgage. I went in there and I furnished it uh, relatively inexpensively and, and I rented it to a company out of Latin America who paid $2,000 a month. And I lived in a big house um, with a bunch of buddies, you know, you know how, how college people live. And I realized that I was getting positive cash flow and that positive cash, cash flow was almost equivalent to what I was making um, in income that year. So I learned really, really early on how real estate works and I've held it and I've bought more and I've made mistakes. I've sold too early and, you know, I'm here 25 years later with a wealth of experience that I've gained on my own and with a wealth of experience that I've gained from observing other people who are far more successful than I am and sitting in these incredible boardrooms with our developer clients at Rennie and learning from guys like you as well. I mean, the, the, the data and, and the intelligence that you share with our team is bar none to anybody else in the industry. And I take all of this, um, you know, my failures, my successes, and and I'm here to teach. And that's where I find purpose. That's where I find joy in my business is helping others build property portfolios. I'm, I'm here to help remove that fear for them. And the more people I can help remove that fear f- from them and help them, you know, build a property portfolio. I know when they're 60 or 65 years old, you know, whether they get a pension or not, they're going to have a few properties that are paid for. They're going to get rental return off of that. They're going to be, be able to live comfortably, you know, as senior citizens. And ultimately, they'll probably leave a few properties for their kids. And so that, that's that's what my whole business plan is about, is, is using that past experience. And it's taken me 25 years to learn all of this and sharing my my knowledge with, with my clients. And I think pre-sale is a really, really amazing vehicle for that. Now, that doesn't mean I don't do resale still. I do. You know, I'm a medallion award-winning agent. I've got a great team. We help people buy and sell homes all the time. But, you know, once they've got their principal residence down and they want to acquire property as an investment, pre-sale is, is usually where we turn to um, in a different resale market. And we'll probably find that cycle again. Uh, maybe we'll go back to the resale market looking for opportunities, you know, maybe distressed homeowners or, or, you know, a quietening of the market. But even when that happens, too, you'll find great incentives and low deposit structures and all sorts of other exciting things being offered by developers. So. Yeah, pre-sales kind of my, my, my go-to for investors and resales kind of my go-to for people who, um, you know, are just trying to get into the market. However, as I mentioned earlier, that, that is shifting for some just because of how chaotic the resale market has been as of late. So recapping today's Intel episode, we covered sales and inventory trends creating sellers markets throughout the Vancouver region as well as the price gains showing no signs of slowing down. Reggie, do you have any final tips for home buyers or any of our listeners? Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and thanks again for having me on the podcast today. I, I would say the best tip I can offer to, to would-be buyers of real estate is to think long-term, um, you know, especially when buying pre-sale, you put down a deposit, 
and it's ready in four years and suddenly you've made $100,000 or more, it can be pretty tempting to sell that piece of property and take that money. But if you, if you look at the costs associated with, I mean, you're going to pay real estate commissions, you're going to pay lawyers, the government wants their share as well. Pretty soon, uh, you know, a large amount of that $100,000 starts to be eroded away. Real estate is meant to be a long-term purchase, something that you, you know, will grow with you over time that, you know, in, in, in some respects, in other countries and in, in, in the old world, it's generational. Now, I'm not saying it needs to be generational here, but just don't get tempted to, to take the quick $100,000 because you're leaving money on the table. And, and in an environment like Vancouver, we have so many people moving here, you're, you're going to have an incredible rental audience. Be patient, rent it out, and ha have that property um, grow over time. So, so selling isn't always best. Analyze it and, and decide for yourself, like, well, if you do sell it, what do you have planned with that money? If you have nothing else that you want to do with that money, then I don't see a lot of sense in selling the property. But if you can afford to keep the property and still upsize or acquire more, my advice is to do that. Obviously, don't go out of your means. So that's my, my biggest advice. Also, when you do decide to buy pre-sale specifically, I really urge you to try to find a realtor who specializes in that. I think pre-sale kind of deserves its own recognition, just like you wouldn't hire a residential realtor to sell your commercial mall. You know, I, I, I don't think every re residential realtor is, you know, all that knowledgeable in the pre-sale market. So, so do your homework, find the right advisor um, and find the right advisor for all different types of real estate and, and pre-sale is, is, is unique in itself. So yeah, patience definitely being a, a consistent theme throughout um, all your insights here, here, Reggie. And is there, uh, what's the best way, I guess, for our, our listeners to, to get a hold of you? The best way to learn about me is to follow me on Instagram. It, my, my, my handle is just my name, Reggie Tanzola. And, you know, although I do have a website and a phone number and an email address and everything else, I think that's really the best place to start. Thanks again for, for joining us today on this episode of the Rennie Podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out our latest Rennie review and other intelligence information on rennie.com slash intelligence. To be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox, register for intelligence updates. Reggie, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, Bowen. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Reggie. Ryan, thanks again. Chat soon. Until next time. Thanks, Bowen. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com.